Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And, we, and we've been dealing with each of the Beatitudes weekly, but we've used different translations and of, um, of the Beatitudes kind of to give a better understanding of what Jesus is trying to communicate in the Beatitudes. Because um, as we've discussed before, the Beatitudes are building blocks for our discipleship. And one builds upon the other as we take a look at them. Today we deal with pure in heart. Those who are pure in heart shall see God. And, and what I want you to listen for today, okay, is that the way we see God is the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves, and also, I'm convinced, the way that we see the will of God for ourselves. So this is our focus today. I want to just review for a moment um, the other Beatitudes that we've covered so far to kind of give us a building block and where this fits. The first is empty our pride. Blessed are, or blessed are the poor in spirit. Empty our sin. Blessed are those who mourn. Empty our need to control. Anybody else have trouble with that one? I've got a real problem with that one. Um, blessed are the meek. Loving God in all things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then loving others by offering mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Now, what I believe is that Jesus is really moving to the good stuff now. He's, he's built a foundation for our discipleship and what we have to get out in order for God to pour in and for us to begin to live this life of discipleship for Jesus Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed or blessed are the pure in heart. The Greek word that's translated pure is katharos. Now, it is the word in English from what we get catharsis. Okay? Uh, here it's translated pure. It's also translated in other places innocent, without guilt. It literally means unstained or without alloy. A metal that has been purified with fire is katharos. It is used 27 times in the New Testament to describe a changed life, okay? A changed life, a catharos life, a life that has, been, that has been purified, that has been changed. Fundamentally, it signifies that which is clean or cleansed and therefore free from any contaminating substance. Scholars also suggest that it means to be unmixed, having no double allegiance, single-minded, or as I like to say, being a monomaniac for God. A monomaniac. The basic uh, idea here is a singleness of, of, of understanding, a singleness of direction, uh, integrity, as opposed to duplicity or a divided heart. In this sense, purity isn't just being clean. It isn't just about our behavior it is about our focus. 
God wants us to be focused on God's kingdom and righteousness. And this is why Jesus says just a few verses later in chapter 6 of Matthew, no one can serve two masters, either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. A person with a passion for purity is one who's been cleansed in character so that the way that he looks in public is the way that one acts in private. Um, Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who uh, are pure in the way they live, for they will see God. Because if he had done so, the religious people of that day would have been really happy with him. Because they knew how to act in, in pure ways. In fact, look at the Old Testament. You've got one law right after the other that would tell you how to live a good life, how to live a pure life. So they would have been perfectly happy because they were experts on those laws. But that's not what Jesus is getting at here. Jesus is not getting at the outward behavior. He's getting at the inside, that which drives the behavior. And that's why he refers to the Pharisees as full of dead men's bones. Because even though they followed the law, even though they did what they thought they were supposed to do, what was on the inside was mixed. It was focused on other things. What they did in private did not match what they did in public. Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay, what does it mean heart? What, what does heart mean? Does that mean that muscle that pumps blood to all the different parts of our body? No, in this sense it, does, it means, means that which uh, controls our uh, our, our will that controls our emotions, that controls our thinking. Uh, and the Greek word that's translated heart is cardia, which from what we get our word cardio. Um, <clears throat> and um, it is not to be confused from actions. It is what drives the will and drives the actions. If the heart is pure, then our love for others and our love for God will be pure. Um, God pays little attention to what's on the outside. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not encouraging anyone to go out and rob a bank. I think that would be, be silly. But if we get our heart right, okay, then everything else will follow. That's what Jesus is trying to say to his followers here who have focused so much upon the law and doing what was right without considering what was driving their, uh, what was driving them on the inside, their attitudes, their convictions. The heart is totally of the inward person, the seed of character, a freeway or cloverleaf, so to speak, of, of highways converging into one point by which the heart then purifies all of that to send it out into action. Anytime there is a problem with the heart, one can find the heart of the problem. So, how do we improve the condition of our heart? How do we improve the condition of our heart? I call this sermon cleaning out the closet for a reason. Because that's where we kind of put those things in our lives, you know. 
Elliot brought me over to his house, and they were y'all were cleaning out your house, getting rid of all the stuff, you know, getting it out of the way so that they could live their lives. The story is told about a woman, and this is supposed to be a true story, who called the police one afternoon, frantic, because she believed that her two-year-old had been kidnapped. Now, I can only imagine what a mother would feel like to think that her two-year-old had been kidnapped. The police came. They searched the neighborhood. They, they searched the, all the area around the house. And finally, one of the officers says, Ma'am, do you mind if we walk through your house? Well, the house was a mess. And when the officer walked back into the lady's bedroom, it was a mess. Things were piled everywhere. And when he looked, when he opened up the door to the closet, things began to pour out. And with it, her sleeping two-year-old, who had somehow climbed up into the closet. Maybe the mom had closed the door, but he was in there with all the other junk. And this is what the officer said to her. He said, lady, if you don't clean out this house, you're going to lose what is really important in your life. I don't know about you, but that is a hard word for me. To get everything out of the way that is not of God. To put everything in God's hands. And to know with conviction that if you put a teaspoon of sewage into a barrel of fine wine, what are you going to get? Sewage. If you put a teaspoon of wine into a barrel of sewage, it's still going to be sewage. You know, sewage corrupts. It poisons. And so it is with our heart. We can't just think a little bit's going to be okay. And I know that's kind of a hard word for all of us. But it's true. It's like carrying around a great weight when we are carrying within our hearts those things that are out of line and out of balance with where we want to be in our, in our, in our, in our Christian lives. Story, this, and this is another true story about a couple in Bakersfield, California that bought a boat and they took it down to the, to the dock, got it in the water, and they couldn't get it to go. I mean, the, well, they got the engine going. And it would just kind of put along. I mean, but this was a really nice boat. And I tried to turn it, and it was just sluggish. I worked all morning to try to get, you know, was it, was it, the, was it the controls? Was it an engine? What was going on? They took it to uh, a place there that was on the lake that had a mechanic. Can you look at our boat and tell us what's wrong so that we can enjoy it? So he, he checked the steering. It was fine. Checked the connections between the steering and the engine. Check to see if the engines were turning like they were supposed to. Check to see if the engines were working okay. Check to see if the propellers were turning. Everything was working fine. And so he got one of his workmen there to jump into the water to check underneath to see if there was something wrong with the hull. And the guy came out dying laughing, choking he was laughing so hard. Because the trailer was still on the boat. They were trying to drive this boat around the lake with the trailer still on it. But who does that? Nobody does that. But we do it in the same way in our Christian lives. 
When we want to live for God, we want to do things for God, we want to be great for God, we want the blessings to pour out in abundance upon us, but we still got the trailer of sin hanging on to us. And it works like this. We got to free up God so that God can do God's work in us through Jesus Christ. We're holding God back. We're holding God back. And we think about that boat and we think that's ridiculous, but we're doing the same thing. We need to expose everything to the Holy Spirit. Let, let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. Expose it to the Holy Spirit. Um, when I was early in my ministry, back in the day, um, if you were uh, a young minister coming out of seminary, you got sent to the country, okay? Well, I'd kind of grown up east of Dallas, so that was okay for me. I, I enjoyed that. It was not that far out of bounds. I wasn't a city boy much. I had lived in the city, but lived also in the country. Um, but one of the, the area that I got sent to was Hopkins County out in East Texas, Sulphur Springs, if you're aware of East Texas. And it's, at that time, it was the number two county in dairy production, okay? And one of the larger dairies was about three miles from the church. And I just love going up there and watching the operation, milking the cows and, and, and the cows giving birth and how they did their operation. And one day, I, I, I went out there and fellow was, uh, had a bunch of manure piled up. And I said to Jim, I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm turning it into fertilizer. I went, oh, okay. I, you know, that made sense. You know, put fertilizer on, on, on a yard, and it kind of smells like manure sometimes. <laughs> I said, what's the process that you use? Because I, I saw him kind of digging around in it. He said, well, we, we, we've got this place over here piled up, and then every seven days, we dig it and expose it to the air. We turn it over completely. I said, now let me get this right. You got this manure, this waste, and every seven days, you're turning it over in order for it to become something good. And he said, that's right. And I said, there's a sermon in that. There's a sermon in that. Now, before I make a sermon out of it, tell me, what if you don't turn it? And he said, well, you don't turn it, it just smells bad and doesn't do good for anything. You know, that's kind of like us, isn't it? When we get away from God. But as, as, as we allow the Holy Spirit to turn in our lives, as we allow the the Ruach, the breath of God to breathe upon every corner of our being, every place within our heart. It takes that which is fouled and turns it something into value. A value. That's what God, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who have allowed God to do God's work within them. Blessed are those who have been touched by the Holy Spirit and healed by the Holy Spirit. For they shall see God. For they shall see God. Those who possess the purity within their hearts will receive a wonderful blessing. They will see God. And 
<clears throat> the root there of the word see, herio, is a word that's it's used for physical sight, but it's also used for all kinds of sight, spiritual sight, understanding. Um, it's used uh, to, uh, to, to see beyond the present, to see the possibilities that are before you. Um, and herio is used 449 times in the New Testament. And as I was going through looking at all those places where it shows up, what I began to realize is that what, what Christ has brought to the world, and as the story of Jesus and the New Testament churches is being told here, it is changing the way that we see each other, the way we see the world, we see, the way we see our possessions, the way we see our children, the way we see our spouses, the way we see our future, and the possibilities of what we can be as human beings in the hands of God. They shall see God. We shall see God, but we shall also see ourselves as God sees us in all the possibilities, in all the in, in all the, the goodness that is there, no matter what we may believe about ourselves, multiply that times 1,000. And that is the way God sees us. I can't tell you how many times I've been asked the question, how do I find God's will for my life? I pray, but I don't get an answer. Pastor, what do I need to do? Well, I truly believe that this, this beatitude speaks to that. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who have worked upon their heart, their attitudes, their character, what is present within their motivation, their, their priorities. They're the ones that shall see God, and in seeing God, we see where God wants us to go. We have questions that... Are, constantly arrive, arising in our lives. And we begin to see where God is directing us. We begin to see what God wants for us. To see God's will for our lives. Only then can we see God in all of God's wonder. Only then can we see the purpose of God for us. Only then can we determine God's will for our lives. Seeing ourselves as God sees us. There's a story that I've, I've actually heard this story told a couple of times in different churches, but it, to, to me it illustrates the difference between value and um, in, in terms of real inner value and kind of surface value. And the story is told about a man named John Blanchard. Fought in World War II, came back from World War II, and came back to Central Station to meet a woman that he had never met but had corresponded with for 13 months. Now, what had happened to him is, before he got sent over to Europe to fight in the last year of the war... <clears throat> He was in this library, and he opened this book up, and he began to read the book, and it was not just the book, but the comments in the, in the margins that caught his attention. 
Someone had written in this book insights and, 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 and other kinds of, even poetry was written there, and he was just drawn to, to the writing and to the words that this person was sharing as, as they read the book. And so he was looking and looking, and finally, toward the end of the book, the person who had owned the book admits who they are. Okay. So he knew who the person was. The person's name was Hollis Manuel. Um, Maynell. Hollis Maynell was her name. And so now he's just obsessed with finding her. Does a search. Finds her address. Writes her a letter. And they connect through the mail. Well, within a couple of days after he sent that first letter, he's transferred to Europe. And her letter comes to his home and then it's, it's taken over to Europe and now they converse back and forth and with every letter, there was a seed of a deeper relationship. Until um, Blanchard said that he, he wrote her one time and tried to get her picture. And she refused because she did not want the relationship based on physical appearances, but what was on the inside. For her, it was on the inside. That, that was on the inside that mattered. And Blanchard thought, you know, I've never thought that way about a woman, but yes, that's right. That's, if, if, you've got, if you can get together on what's on the inside, then you can face no matter what in life. He was coming home. The war was over. And they agreed to meet at Grand Central Station in New York City. She was to wear a red rose. He got there early. He couldn't wait. He was just on pins and needles. His hands were clammy. I finally get to meet Hollis. I finally get to meet this woman that I've dreamed about for all these, for all these months. And as, as people were walking through Grand Central Station, he's looking for the red rose. But a woman catches his eye. A woman in a green dress, blonde hair, clear blue eyes. She catches his eye, and she notices that he's staring at her. And... Um, she doesn't have a red rose on, but she walks toward Blanchard, and Blanchard takes a step toward her, and she says, hey, soldier, going my way? And something inside of him says, no, you're not here for this. You're here for Hollis. You're here to meet the woman that you've had a relationship through the mail for the last 12 months. You'd be doing yourself a disfavor. And so he looked beyond her, and she slipped by him, and he sees the red rose. And he's disappointed at first because the woman who is wearing the red rose is rather plain. She's kind of frumpy, not what he'd hoped at all in terms of looks. He approached her, and, and, uh, and as he's approaching her, he's thinking, you know, there's something special about this woman on the inside that's going to feed what, what looks on the outside are there. And he says, I want to give this a chance. I really want to get to know this woman. And so he walks up to her and he says, you must be Holly Maynard. And she says, yes, I am. And he says, I want to take you to dinner. And she said, okay, but I need to tell you something first. I'm not Hollis Maynard. Uh, evidently, that's the woman that walked up to me and said, would you wear this rose? And if a soldier walks up to you and says... Uh, are you Hollis Maynard, I'd like to take you to dinner, then you tell him, 
I'm the woman in the green dress with the blonde hair, and I'm waiting for him across the street <laughs> at, the, at the restaurant. Now you're thinking, okay, you know, the guy had good luck. Not only did he fill the, the void within his heart, but the woman was drop-dead gorgeous. I don't think so. Here's what I think. That when we follow our heart, when we follow our heart, when our heart is pure, when we have worked on our character, when we have worked on our attitudes and that which drives us, God takes care of everything else. God pours into us those things that he knows will satisfy, those things that he knows will enrich, those things that he knows will bring value to our lives. When <laughs> blessed, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see the blessings that God is pouring out. They shall see the blessings that God has for us. They shall see what God really wants for our lives. They shall see God. So, if you will tell me what you love or who you love, I can probably tell you who you are because the two go together. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray. Lord God, so often we fail in this. We find ourselves desiring not the things of the divine, but rather the things of this world. We think that we know what's best in our lives, and so we overrule what you have taught us through the scriptures, or we we try to skip past and, and maybe just get a little bit of God. And so God, forgive us for those times that we have, that we have let our hearts get messy. And help us on this day to expose our whole heart to you and the work of your Holy Spirit. Help us, O oh God, through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, to find forgiveness and hope for a new day. And Lord, may our hearts be pure enough in these moments, on this day, no matter what our circumstances, to see the blessings that you have prepared and are pouring out to us if we but see them and claim them. For Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.